From the pinnacle of the media landscape, this is Market Edge. Join your host, Larry Weber, as he discovers the answers from analysts, entrepreneurs, and technologists who are preparing the blueprints for the future of marketing. Hear from those who are taking us to a new age of social media, e-communities, and the blogosphere. blogosphere. Now, please welcome your host of Market Edge, Larry Weber. Hi, and welcome to Market Edge. I'm your host, Larry Weber, chairman of W2 Group, a global marketing services ecosystem organized to help CMOs in their new roles as builders of communities and content aggregators. Today, I'm so excited as usual because we're going to be talking about the future of Internet advertising, search and marketing with one of the experts, Seb Bishop, President and CMO of Miva, a performance marketing company. Seb joins us today from the U.K., and just for full disclosure, I want you to know that uh, I'm non-executive chairman of Miva uh, and know quite a bit about the company and its marketplace, and it's a fascinating company. As part of the board, I've had the pleasure of working with Seb for several years. Before joining Miva, Seb founded eSpotting in 2000, the company that pioneered search marketing and pay-for-click advertising in Europe. eSpotting merged with Find What, a Florida-based company, in 2004, and the new entity was rebranded Miva in 2005. It's a public company traded on the NASDAQ exchange. Before founding eSpotting, Seb was a senior art director at Rainey Kelly, Campbell Rolf, uh, Young and Rubicam, and Publicis, where he created award-winning campaigns for clients such as Coke, Nintendo, and Virgin. Seb is a director on several boards, including Future PLC, an international special interest media group, Stake Media, a hot digital marketing agency, and AdJug, a new Internet advertising marketplace. Seb, welcome to Market Edge. Wow, what an introduction. Thank you, Larry. <laughs> First, tell our audience, because they might not be familiar uh, with Miva and its marketplace, uh, just tell our audience, you know, what Miva does, how it makes its dough, and sort of the, uh, you know, the, the, the history of, of Miva and what it does today. Sure. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I guess uh, Miva's probably better known and it's like in its sort of original sort of foundations under the Find What brand and the eSpotting brand in Europe. Both of them were pioneers within the pay-per-click space or pay-per-click search marketing. And if you go back, back to 1999 when, uh, well, actually even before that time when Bill Gross at Idea Lab came up with the whole concept of search marketing, at that time there was really the three sort of companies in that space that originated sort of search marketing were Obviously, GoTo.com, which then re- later rebranded to Overture. There was Find What in the, in the U.S. that was founded by um, a great guy called Craig Prezeris Anderson. And then there was uh, Daniel and I, my old business partner, that founded eSpotting here in Europe. Uh, and then, as you know, the story Overture rebranded to Yahoo. A little company called Google joined the race in 2003. And then Find What and eSpotting came together to create Miva. Most people know us as the sort of pay-per-click search network, but Miva's changed quite drastically in the last probably eight to nine months or a year under a new CEO, uh, Peter Corral, where he's been taking the company to a new direction, uh, an exciting new direction, as you well know, which is sort of more going into diversifying the revenue and going into owned and operated traffic under new initiatives, under new brands like Allot and Spill, which I can go into a little bit more detail. But I think most commonly people know Miva still as the 
the pay-per-click search network, and I think we're working hard on trying to change those perceptions. Um, we still make a lot of money in that space, but sort of what's also very exciting is sort of some of the new areas that we're going into, like Spill, which is a movie-related, a movie review site, uh, Spill.com, a lot toolbars, where we have close to seven to eight million unique toolbars uh, around the world with our users and uh, have some pretty cool uh, pieces of software that go along with that. And then alongside that, we have start pages, which we've just moved into and sort of starting to introduce things called uh, info ads or ad widgets, which is another emerging space. Um, and we also own things like screensavers, um, which is another sort of big part of our business. So um, exciting times ahead. Thanks. Um, hey, let's step back just a second because the marketplace is consolidating at such a rapid pace with the you know announcement just a little while back of the obvious uh, possible merger of MSN and Yahoo and um, Google's you know acquiring of certain companies and there's not a lot left. How about just some comments on? You know the consolidation of of the what was called the pay for click market, and and do you see it just happening to be a few large players at the end of the day, and that's part of the reason for you know companies like Meva's diversification? Well, I think I mean it's, I mean there's sort of been so the M and A game hasn't slowed down. I mean a lot of people have sort of been talking about it certainly in the last year or two, but from from back to sort of I guess when the bubble. I guess sort of it burst as we know in 2000 and then from about 2002, 2003, we've seen a hive of activity in the M&A space. I think, I mean, the, 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 obviously the really big one, as you just mentioned, is the, uh, the Yahoo-Microsoft um, sort of get-together there. I think that's going to add a total different dimension to certainly within the search space and certainly to the online advertising space. Um, I think Google have had a really good run of it. Uh, and they will, they will continue to have a good run of it, obviously. But I think what's interesting about the Yahoo Microsoft piece is that if you put yourself in a user's shoes and they sort of turn on their PC, when they get open that when they open up their sort of Explorer browser for the very first time, they usually get this search product in the top right hand corner called Live. And I think a lot of people sort of immediately think, well, I don't know that brand. I'm not so common with it, and so they start using Google. If they pre-populate that with maybe Yahoo and a Yahoo start page within that piece of, uh, within that, that, the, the browser right there, I think you'll start seeing that sort of Yahoo will be able to sort of claw back some of that search marketing space. So it's going to be interesting to see how those two sort of come together and some of the ways that they can make. Is there, you know, that aside, is there any stopping Google, at least in this point of, uh, of history? Um, I mean, they just seem to just, even though the stock's, you know, come down a bit from its lofty heights, its market share continues to climb. Um, I mean, have they de facto won, Seb, or do you think there's a chance just like, uh, you know, um, other companies uh, who look like they were uh, invulnerable, eventually are vulnerable by some new technology or, or, or new player on the block? Well, I think, I mean, anyone that doesn't think that They've pretty much won the online search game. I think, um, I think you've got to have your, your, your brain checked, right? I mean, I think they certainly occupy that space. Um, I think, obviously, mobile is a, is a different uh, cat as people start to move into searching on their, their PDAs and their mobile devices. Uh, Google have some neat uh, download pieces um, 
which allow you to, 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 to search directly from your BlackBerry, for example. I have also been testing the Yahoo One search, which is also a very good product. Um, I think it all depends really on, I think you take it that they've won it within the web space, but as you start to move into things like searching across your television, um, or a lot of people believe, as do I, that your TV and the web will become one, but will you actually start to search differently and start to look for different things? And will players like, I don't know, Blinks and other sort of um, search players in those sorts of spaces sort of you know, pick up some ground? And then across the mobile device, when maybe traditionally people thought CPC or cost per click was the right way to go, will new players within uh, click-to-call emerge? And how will that sort of transform the sort of search space and the sort of um, the, ways, the way users interact with those devices? So I think it's a given that they've definitely got the online stuff uh, totally sort of sewn up. As to when you start moving across different digital devices, I guess there's still maybe uh, a little bit of a question mark there. Hey, talk a little bit because, you know, as most of our listeners uh, are aware, uh, you know, the mobile marketing uh, space is uh, one, of the, one of the categories that the United States is uh, behind Europe and Asia. And I know you've studied it a bit and, uh, and have explored it quite a bit, uh, not just from EVA, but uh, with your own um, um, other business interests. Tell us a little bit about you know, some of the more advanced things you see happening in mobile marketing, mobile search, et cetera, uh, over in Europe. Sure. Are we, I mean, as, as you know, Larry, we sort of dipped our toe in it with a product called Textile, which was something that we thought was a great little product, which was trying to take, and actually the, we say that the U.S. is behind, but they're not really that behind anymore. It's, it's certainly caught up when you sort of see free 411 services. Uh, with Textile, we had a product where the user could phone up 411 here in the U.K. or 118, 118, which is the number over here, and then people would effectively say, I'd like the number for British Airways. And when they got their text message with the BA's telephone number in it, we were placing Virgin Atlantic's telephone number directly underneath it. And, uh -huh. you know, airlines and sort of um, advertisers were paying up to a £1,000 CPM. They were paying a pound a text, which is pretty heady stuff in terms of when you compare it to other ad models. Um, but the conversion rates were pretty high. Um, I mean, yes, mobile's on the up. I don't think we've found the de facto... Um, the, 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 the ad model that necessarily is going to work. I know that a bunch of people are still trying to figure out click-to-call on mobile devices. The problem with mobile, and the reason why I think people have struggled with it, is that there are just so many different types of handsets on different operating systems that there hasn't been, it hasn't been standardized yet. And I think there's still some, a little bit of a way to go before we see a sort of standard advertising model work across mobile devices, Larry. You're also, you're also probably... Um uh, we're waiting, too, for that sort of consolidation from an operating system point of view. I was out in the Valley a few weeks ago and went, went by Adobe Mobile, who is really working on uh, a software platform that they hope, uh, instead of Microsoft, will become the de facto standard for sort of mobile operating. And I think that's probably got to come first before we get that consistent, uh, you know, sort of mo uh, device agnostic uh, platform uh, for mobile advertising. Certainly, no, no you're absolutely I mean, it's, it's amazing. I think I was at uh, Google Zeitgeist a couple of years ago when the CEO of Motorola was there standing, and uh, 
when you sort of compare the number of mobile users and the potential for growth and the number of users worldwide compared to, should we say, computer users. You know, if you can crack mobile and mobile advertising, then, you know, <laughs> if we think Google's big today, uh, there could be one giant player in that space. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, especially as I watch a whole generation of kids who the mobile phone is really their device of choice. It, you know, they the PC is there, and, you know, they're going to go on Facebook 12 times a day, but, uh, you know, and they do their homework. But the, what they carry around and how they text and interact, it's just it's a whole different uh, way of communicating uh, than the sort of the, the next two generations. Have you seen that new... Um the, the new laser device that uh, they're being fitted to some of the mobile phones now that, that projects a keyboard onto the table where you place your phone. How cool and is that? And as you that? tap onto the table, onto the actual individual characters, as if you were typing onto a keyboard, it allows you to text and email at the same speed. Oh, my gosh. Is that cool so or what? There's pretty cool stuff coming out, which, is, uh, which, again, I think has been prohibitive and stopped a lot of people interacting with the web across their mobile phones because... You know, you've got that small screen, or because you've actually physically only got a few keys on it, and it's tricky. But now, as, as you said, I mean, I mean, I saw some people, like you said, just seeing some kids. The way they text, they can text faster than I can type. <laughs> so, so, so I think you know, and I and I feel old around those people. I, I consider myself reasonably young still. Yeah, well, that, that's good. Um, hey, let's go back to just uh, internet advertising. You know, the the big discussion over here in the last few weeks is. You know, it's it's been slowing a bit, um, but you know, when you look at the numbers, you still got to go. Why are people buying broadcast television ads? Um, the the latest Forrester research said something like a third of the ads are DVR'd or TiVo'd. Um, the audiences uh, are still much larger on the web, and they're not getting their complete percentage. I think we're still only around you know, 26, 27% of marketing ad budgets going online. Why do you think television still has this draw for, for traditional marketers? I think that you, I think that, um, I think you got to look at the, the, the biggest spending advertisers. So if you think about the Coca-Colas of the world, the, the Procter and Gambles, uh, those sorts of organizations that really spend you know, the heady amounts of numbers and the amounts of money that they spend on TV still looking for ways to interact with their users online, right? They don't have the traditional uh, CPA model that most, you know, the insurance companies, the realtor.coms, those sort of um, organizations have in terms of just being able to put in a, a dollar into a slot machine and see 10 come out. Right. Um, so I think that, that plays a big role in terms of if you just look at the traditional big spenders on TV, um, they don't have that sort of ROI or um, that easily sort of scaled up model in that same way. But I think, um, I think that, you know, the, the other stuff with um, TV, which I think is also interesting, taking putting my agency hat on for a second, you know, the other thing that we're starting to see is an emergence of, well, We've seen it for a while, but certainly the online players now actually starting to spend on television, more so than we did in the past. And what's kind of interesting about that is that from some of the tests that we've seen, certainly um, if I put my stake hat on for a second, a lot of the clients that run television campaigns whilst they run their online budgets see an almost, in some cases, up to 20 to 30% increase on their conversions. 
So there is something to be said, and there's still huge value in building a brand around that product. So a lot of people immediately you know, think that they just need to spend online and put $100 into Google and they get $1,000 out. I think there's also something to be said that if you, if you spend and invest a little bit on television or just brand, you sometimes actually see a higher um, click-to-conversion ratio and your CPAs go down. So the, the power of the mix. Um, yes. We're going to take, take a short commercial break right now. Please stand by, and we'll be right back with Seb Bishop and more of the conversation on Market Edge. Market Edge will continue in just a moment. How do you choose the right affiliate network to partner with? The answer is simple. MarketHealth.com, where health and wealth connect. Established in 1998 and formerly known as Joe Bucks, the MarketHealth.com affiliate network allows you to market and promote the world's leading health and beauty offers on the net. Start making recurring income and the highest payouts in our industry. Choose from over 50 of the hottest selling offers, ranging from herbal supplements, skincare, vitamins, beauty products, weight loss, and much more. Sign up for free at MarketHealth.com and start making money today. Can you believe how long it takes to order food here? Uh, here we go. Excuse me. She's not even looking over here. Great service is hard to come by. Whether you're sitting at a bar, restaurant, or creating effective search advertising campaigns. Um, excuse me. I think we need to go somewhere else. It's easy to feel forgotten, especially when your advertising budget is on the line. LookSmart serves up to 400 million queries a day with a side of the best customer service in the online advertising industry. Hi, how are y'all doing today? What can I get you folks to eat? You were right. This place is so much better. LookSmart, premium and performance advertising solutions. Um, hello? Uh, welcome to our website. Website traffic isn't about paying for clicks. Okay, so I guess we're going to wait until everyone shows up and then we'll... Uh, um... It's about having the right content. So while you're searching for more traffic, the folks at InfoSearch Media are creating the content people are searching for. With InfoSearch Media, you can get more traffic for less money than PPC. So the next time you need to speak to your customers... Welcome to our website. They're already searching for you. InfoSearch Media. Get content that really clicks. Okay, so you're telling me that if I put the Go Currency Converter on my site, all my international customers can see how much they're paying in their own currency? Yeah. GoCurrency.com has free currency converters, language translations, international clocks, everything you need to do international business. So how does it work? Conversion elves. Conversion elves? Yeah, watch. Want to know what this will cost in euros? Check this out. Listen up, elves. We got one. $34 US. I need that in euros. Now, people. <laughs> We got it. Put it up there, elves. Wow. Currency elves. Who knew? GoCurrency.com. Free currency converters, language translations, and more. GoCurrency.com. The whoring of Facebook for promotional purposes continues with the WebmasterRadio.fm Facebook fan page. Join our fans by clicking the Facebook logo on the WebmasterRadio.fm homepage and keep up to date with all the latest. Become a fan on Facebook. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. From the pinnacle of the marketing landscape, we now return to Market Edge. Once again, here's your host, Larry Weber. Welcome back to Market Edge. This is your host, Larry Weber, and I'm here today with Seb Bishop, uh, President and Chief Marketing Officer of Miva, a performance marketing company uh, and internet advertising. And we're talking about the... Uh, Sort of state of that uh, of that category and where it's going. 
Um, Seb, you know, one, um, uh, one thing that's obviously happening is, and we touched on it a little earlier, was, you know, this big move into rich media and video uh, online. You know, how is that going to really impact, um, you know, the whole online advertising world as things become far more visual and less text-based? Right. No, it's a good, I, I, well, I think, uh, well, it's a, it's a, there's a, a bunch of answers around that question. I mean, it's, it's, what's interesting is if you look at the video hasn't taken off or video advertising hasn't taken off quite as quickly in the U.S. as it maybe has in other parts of the world. Uh, which is also which is interesting to see in itself. I think that um, as you start to sort of develop and look out amongst sort of new business models emerging on television and the sort of new ad models, I think you need to look at companies like Spotrunner, which I think are very interesting in the way that they're trying to tap in to the SME market and bringing them into the video advertising space and also bringing them online. I know that you know with our forays into spill. Um, there's obviously a huge amount of content being sort of consumed by consumers, and most people now have their PCs on at home, or certainly, uh, you know, amongst the sort of younger generation, they consume most of that media via their PC rather than actually going onto their television. And in most cases, people come home and turn on their PCs rather than their televisions. I think what's interesting is if you look at the bigger scale in terms of the way that we consume that media, though, I think that um, a lot of people are predicting the end of television channels per se. So most people sort of consider, and again, as a, as a Brit, or maybe if I, when I go to the U.S., you think of NBC or, or say you use Channel 4 in the U.K. as a television channel where you consume your media. What you're starting to see is this, this connotation of content owners or production companies actually producing and making their own content and then selling the advertising themselves. So someone once said to me that some of the, is it called March Madness in the U.S., Larry? Yes, it where, is. Um, where all the, the U.S. basketball teams, the college basketball teams, you can get all the games on, is it CBS? Yes. Yeah, a lot of people are talking about how potentially one day those universities will effectively broadcast the games themselves and sell the advertising themselves. So, you know, they go to, CBS comes to them and says, here's a $100 million to, to show all your games. But obviously CBS are paying them a revenue share of what they're receiving in, in ad dollars from advertisers that are willing to buy the, during the ad breaks. And so now the universities at some point could be saying to themselves, well, hell, I'm just going to basically publish or broadcast that stuff myself across the Internet and sell the advertising myself. And rather than actually taking a percentage of the overall ad dollar that CBS is paying me, I'll keep 100% of it. And I think that's going to be an important change in the way that we consume media. And that's mainly driven by the ad dollars in the sense that people want a larger portion of the overall ad spend. Well, you already saw in this country, you know, on cable television, you know, uh, sort of famous sports colleges like Notre Dame have their own television station. And right. so it's obviously going to, you know, micro-segment to the web. I mean, that's a good, uh, a good segue into the question around, you know, social media and content. You know, I was you know, looking the other day, and we're starting to have sites that are, you know, things as as micro-segmented as bass fishing in northern Idaho or, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, quilting in America.com, you know, and, and advertisers are obviously going to, you know, flock to these very special 
segmented uh, things if they have stuff to sell there. Maybe some comments on that sort of huge growth of these micro-segmented content areas. Are you seeing that in Europe too, Seb? Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, that was part of one of the issues, you know, when when MySpace did, famously did that, that Google deal, right? Um, right, going back three, four years, you know, there's, if you look at a lot of the social networks, and even the Facebooks openly admit that they struggle to monetize that traffic on the basis that advertisers don't want generic traffic. They don't want to spend money on untargeted, uh, you know, media outlets effectively. And that's why you're starting to see the rise of the specialist media, exactly like you point out. We're seeing that in Europe, seeing that in the rest of the world. And actually, even uh, Miva's had huge success in that in terms of actually starting to verticalize some of its traffic sources amongst its advertisers and its partners. And advertisers are looking for streams of traffic now. Rather than trying to go broad, they're going narrow, and they're looking for those individual users. And those sites, you know, if you say bass fishing in, in, was it in Idaho, you know, it's amazing the type of traffic that those sorts of sites attract on the basis it's so targeted that if you're, you know, a fishing specialist selling fishing rods for that particular fit. I mean, there isn't a better place to go. Why advertise on the bigger sites? You know, actually go for where your consumers are, and I think you start to see that. And that's certainly something that I've also seen as I spent more time on Future PLC, which is another board I sit on, which, you know, effectively target magazines specific at niche audiences, and they've had a huge success in that as well. Yeah. You know, it's fascinating to me because the, um, you know, it, it it's going to be a, such a micro-segmented world, but then yet again, the first forays of social media are almost mass media in nature. Facebook and MySpace, you know, are so huge, and they still haven't completely figured out a monetization uh, route. Maybe some thoughts on, you know, how do you think the social, uh, you know, networking sites are, are really going to monetize? Because I know uh, my young daughter, I've told my audience this before, came into me the other day and said, you know, the lamest thing happened on Facebook. Coke, Coke wants to be my friend. And uh, she, she and her friends made fun of Coca-Cola. How do big brands deal with, uh, you know, with the social networks? And how are the networks themselves going to make money, like YouTube and and uh, MySpace and Facebook? Uh, uh, if I knew, I'd, I'd you know, I'd... I'd uh... I'd, you know, it'd, it'd be. I think. If, I think. You know, with the amount of people that, and very smart people working in those organisations, I think they're trying to scratch their heads around that same, that very same problem. I think, again, not wanting to bring it back to one of our successes, but you know, if I look at Spill, right, it, it has it has a social aspect. You can sign up as a member, interact within a, a community there. I think where a lot of people are making mistakes is that they think. You want to be friends with the whole world. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think you want to be friends with uh, and socialize with people that are interested in the same sorts of things as you are. And so I think you're starting to see a growing trend of vertical networks or communities based on particular. So that site that you mentioned before, um, Fishing in Idaho, you will probably have a bunch of friends that are going there talking about nothing about uh, nothing, nothing but that particular topic um, and I think, again, that's where advertisers are more interested in going. So in trying to be sort of broad and, and try to get as many friends as possible, I think what you're starting to see is you're going to start to see vertical communities, a little bit like what we've got with Spill, where you know, advertisers are coming to us, 
and um, movie uh, movie advertisers coming to us because they specifically specifically know, excuse me, that they have an audience there that's specifically interested in movies. Yeah, and I think that's what you're going to start seeing some of the bigger networks segmenting their traffic into smaller communities in order to attract the advertisers back in. So I've got to ask you this. I've been trying to get an answer to this for from a, a few uh, experts in the field. So, I'm, you know, we have a program here in America called the Today Show that most people, uh, if they watch morning television, they watch it. And I now and then like to go on just to see what the top stories were and watch, you know, the videos uh, uh, of the uh, of the stories. And every day now they're forcing me, this is my the site, MSNBC, forces me to watch a 30-second spot before I can watch the video. And that to me seems like, you know, so old-fashioned. And it's actually frustrating why I can't just skip the ad. Why, why do you think advertisers are forcing us to watch an ad? And I'm hoping, by the way, that somebody at uh, MIT or Cambridge uh, uh, over, over your way are working. <laughs> An ad blocker for TV? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, uh, well, I, someone's got to pay for it, right? Was it really a 30-second ad, not a 15-second ad? It's incredible. They'll, they'll switch back and forth. A lot of times it's only 10 or 15 seconds, but this morning it was 30 seconds. You know. And was it relevant to you? Uh, no. <laughs> well, that's it even was, worse. Yeah, it, yeah, it was, uh, what was it, this one? This one was for a pharmaceutical that uh, for a woman. Uh, that would be, uh, you know. <laughs> so, you know, talk a little about that, but also when are we really going to get behavioral targeted ads? Everybody keeps talking about it, but that's a good thing that you just brought up, Seb. You know? Yeah, well, I think, I think you know, I think, uh, you know, my my look as an ad guy, right? And I feel very passionate about this. I totally appreciate the fact that people can get frustrated with advertising, but I think that there's the sort of advertising that if you if advertising is done well, you don't feel you're being advertised to, and that's what we came up with, or Bill Gross came up with, and 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 uh, we certainly feel that we played a role in is sort of this idea, this concept of pull versus push. I've been talking about this for about a good eight or nine years. You know, advertising, when done well, should be a pull mechanism, not a push mechanism. And if it is done as in a push way, if you're actually pushed a you know, poster, a television ad, or a radio ad, you shouldn't necessarily feel like it's being pushed to because it's so relevant based on um, either your past behavior or your interest or your postcode or your geolocation so that you feel like it's actually relevant to you. I think that... Um, it's criminal when people just basically blast you out commercials that are completely untargeted and unrelevant. I, I still think there is obviously a challenge around some of that stuff in terms of PI and the sort of information they can hold on you to make sure that they're not abusing that power and tracking you too far. But I do think that, you know, if advertising is done well, um, like I said before, you shouldn't feel like you're being advertised to. And I think that's one of the the tricks of the trade, and I think that's what probably a lot of media owners are trying to do. Hey, Seb, um, we're winding down here, and I always want my last question for my guest is always, hey, uh, stop and, and share with our audience, you know, some sites that may not, they might not have uh, come across yet that you have found particularly uh, fun or interesting uh, uh, that you've just stumbled upon, no pun intended, 
Uh, you know, <laughs> other than the ones that we own, right? Right. Um, other than other than spill and and uh, a lot. Um, you know, are there ones that have caught your fancy the last few weeks? I think uh, I came across one the other day, which, which sort of put a smile on my face, called Lemonade.com, which allows you to set up a lemonade stand on your on your MySpace or Facebook pages. Uh, allows you to choose a product, and uh, effectively you put it on your page. And if someone comes to your page and they buy that product, you earn money every time that you make a sale. So that was sort of kind of interesting. Uh, oh, here's, here's the, another business. It's called Lemonade.com. Yeah, here's the small world department. They're from Connecticut, and they're guys were, that were founders of Modem Media that I was on the board of for a number oh, really? of years. Yeah. I had no. I mean, I, I I came across that and I thought that was really smart. I thought that was a really nice, simple idea. Um, hey, another Sam, one which which has just popped up in France, which you and I spoke about, which I'm a fan of, is eBuzzing.com, which is a sl- sort of slightly different take on the paper post model in the U.S. But again, I think there's been a huge. Uh, I think there's there's a, a very big untapped market online that the advertisers haven't been able to get hold of yet and uh, is the blogging community, where there are millions and millions of users every day involved in that, and yet there isn't really a, an advertising business model attached to it. And eBuzzing allows uh, advertisers effectively to pay, to be, pay uh, to be included in some of the posts that bloggers make, and eBuzzing has found a, a pretty cool way of actually making that system work and make sure it's fair for everyone. And hopefully that will do, you know, that will help PR agencies you know, answer the old, you know, that conundrum, right? Media, uh, you know, before pay-per-click and the whole CPA thing came about, it was very difficult for media, uh, media buying agencies to physically track their campaigns in the same way that online does, and hopefully this will allow PR agencies to track their campaigns across blogs and actually guarantee some level of traffic to people. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, what else have I seen? And then obviously I think uh, I'm a big fan, but... Um, I think another thing that we're going to start seeing uh, coming about isn't necessarily a site, but just something that I'm sort of starting to sort of hear rumblings of is more what I call info ads or ad widgets that I'm starting to see sort of dispersed across a lot, NetVibes, iGoogle, and a few other places where advertisers are now building widgets to be placed on some of those star pages and actually having a long-term search relationship with those users rather than actually paying for new users through, you know, your traditional methods. And I think that's going to have a big impact on the marketplace going forward as well. I agree with you as well. And we're, uh, audience, we're going to have a whole show dedicated to the future of ad widgets uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, but for today, we've just spent a lovely half hour with Seb Bishop from London, uh, President and Chief Marketing Officer of Miva. Uh, so check out Miva. And, Seb, thanks for being with us today. Absolute pleasure, Larry. Thank you very much. And thanks, everyone in the audience, for listening to today's Market Edge conversation. Tune in again next Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern time in the U.S. at webmasterradio.fm. This is Larry Weber, your host for Market Edge. Have a great day.